0: I think we're good. Okay. Hello, climate change. We're waking up and taking action one conversation at a time. I'm Amy, and I'm here today with my husband, Jim. How are you doing, Jim? I'm good. Good. I'm a little
1: tired, but I'm good.
0: We rode our bicycles over 100 miles today, which was another story, but we won't go deeply into that one. But I will tell you that we got, um, this is the first, we are debuting our new... Uh, sound equipment, which I still probably am not setting up optimally, but I'm going to work on that. But I think even with it being marginally better, um, it will be better and it will continue to improve as I figure out more about this stuff. So yeah, my strategy with starting this podcast was just to start it and not to let trying to get it right and learn everything um, interfere with um, actually just jumping in and and get engaging here, because I've been thinking a lot about what's going on in our world with climate change, and um, climate justice, um, which I'll talk a little bit more about that today, Um, and what has been clear to me has been that the first step is to educate yourself as much as you can, and at the same time, maybe the second step, or at the same time, is to talk to people in your life about it, and Um, I think that's the beginning of engagement. And it's probably the beginning of of engagement with any kind of activism. And I I use that word very, very loosely because I think activism sort of is associated with uh, extremes um, where it could be any kind of trying to make the world a better place. Is there an airplane flying by? Yes. Oh, I can hear it in the headphones. So... um, Anything you'd like to say at the beginning here, Jim? I like um,
1: what you said about activists and activism. Mm. It's really just about caring about what's going on around you.
0: Right.
1: And taking some steps where you think you can make a difference.
0: I like that. Yeah. So on that note, um, Jim and I went to a rally Um for, what was it was a climate ct so that we're in connecticut so that's what the ct is about um and it was we were, we had intended to report about it so i haven't even really premeditated what i wanted to say about it at all it was supposed to rain it we did not get rained on which was nice um how many people do you think were there 100 i think it was more than that
1: less than 2 though
0: did you see when we were walking down that street did you look up and down how many people I Not think really. it was 200? wait I think it was more than that I okay. think there was several hundred people oh. I want to say well put it this way I went to a high school with about 400 students in it and looking around at the crowd there it looked like the population of my high school about oh. so I I would maybe a little less so maybe there was between 3 and 400 there That's that's my guess um and Let's see, they started with some speeches and there was a bunch of people with signs and I walked around and met people and looked at their signs and took some pictures, which actually I'd meant to post those on Facebook and have not done that yet, but I will do that. Um, And my Facebook page is open so anyone can go find them if they want to. Um, What else? Um, I didn't really pay, uh, to be honest, I didn't really pay all that close attention to the speakers, did you?
1: There were a couple of them that that grabbed me.
0: Yeah, what grabbed you?
1: I think the uh, the one thing the the speaker at the end was was also a he was also a religious leader, mm. and he just had a very um, very engaging way of talking. Mm-hmm. You know, he's very passionate, and he talked in very plain, straightforward language about our our need to do something to really take it seriously and do it for the next
0: generation. Right. Yeah. yeah, He was good. You know, I have a bad, I'm not good at listening to speakers. <laughs> I, sometimes I, I can be engaged, but sometimes I just am not. But So that was one of those am not moments. But I really went to the, I went to this march because I wanted to connect with people. I don't I don't think we made any impact on Hartford or Connecticut that day. It was a Sunday. And Hartford is very much, a, at least downtown where we were, is very much just, it's it's a business district. And so we were kind of walking down the streets that were basically deserted. <laughs> um, but I did not feel any expectation of anything else. Though there were people that I was walking along with at one point were talking about, they'd been in New York in the fall at that march, and they were talking about how all these people... Um, on the sidewalks and how they were very polarized. They said a lot of people were really with them and cheering them on. And a lot of people were just thought that it was a spectacle, spectacle of freaks or something like that. But um, but I did feel very um, like my mission for myself that day was successful. I got to talk to a lot of different people and kind of make some connections and find out what people are thinking about and doing in this state um, so there was a group from, oh gosh, where is Tweed Airport? Is that New Haven? New Haven, yeah. Right. There was a group from from New Haven that were that were um, that was the group was right, um, trying to block uh, stop a planned expansion of that airport, which would would go into some wetlands and you know just make make way for more. Burning of fossil fuels, so that we could have more planes in that airport, coming and going. So they're they're trying to block that. Um, there was a group from well, they have offices in Hartford, Bridgeport, and New Haven. And is it am I right that that those are some of the poorest cities in the sta- in oh, yeah. the country?
1: Well, I don't know about the country, but definitely the state.
0: Well, I think it might be... Well, maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. There, but there, there definitely there's a huge wealth disparity yeah, in our we state. we have some
1: of the greatest inequality yeah. in our
0: state. Yeah. yeah, and that's something that I've been thinking about a lot. I mean, independent of talking about climate change at all, the wealth disparity in my home state feels like a microcosm that it would be interesting to put my mind on, thinking about um, what is more just. I I do think we're playing... A, you know, there's there's an unfair advantage that comes along with being born into wealth or being born into privilege or being born into being able to go to a good school and have a, no worries about your meals and, um, your you know, both parents at home and those kind of just security things that come along with, your you know, generations of privilege, basically, um, as opposed to having disadvantaged schools and unsafe neighborhoods and not good food, and parents who are having to string together multiple jobs. Um, you know all that stuff. So that's always interested me, and I really so there's this. So the idea of of environmental justice is sort of the intersection between that that set mm-hmm. of issues. Whoops, sorry about that. That set of issues and climate issues and environmental issues so environmental justice is looking at how um for instance incinerators are disproportionately located in poor neighborhoods and then how um um and besides that also the way buildings that poorer people are living in are poorly ventilated and then so there's there's increased greatly increased um Rate of asthma and other thing, other problems, because mm-hmm. of this. Also, I don't know if if environmental justice is getting into so much, you know, the, the lack of access to fresh fruits and vegetables in those neighborhoods, or if that's just, I mean, because environment can be something as specific as the inside of your own body is an environment all the way out to the mm-hmm. the ozone layer, so. You're nodding.
1: Well one I mean, one thing that I know is going on in terms of inner cities is the presence of lead in the housing stock. I mean it's really oh. I mean it it's an issue that has been addressed nationally since the since the early seventies, but there's still a lot of old housing here in New England and especially in inner cities and a lot of it is still full of lead mm. and they there's, there's a whole state program to get kids tested, but the inner city areas have much lower rates of getting their kids tested for the presence of lead. Mm-hmm. So that's an, I mean that's another angle on environmental justice mm, that's interesting. and inequality.
0: So there was this group called, okay, the acronym was CCEJ, and I think that, standed, that stands for Connecticut, I want to say, it's not Coalition. Oh, gosh, I can't
1: I remember. I thought it was Coalition for Is Environmental it coalition? Justice. Yeah, uh, okay. I think that
0: was it. Yeah, Connecticut Coalition for Environmental Justice. Mm-hmm. And I spoke to Sharon Lewis, who's the director um, for – I probably talked to her for half an hour. She was great. I really enjoyed talking to her. And I told her about this podcast, and she's interested. I, she's really busy. So they have three – I was saying they have three offices. They're about to, to open up redemption centers – for recycling recyclables you know bottles and cans and that kind of thing but also clothing and i think probably furniture building supplies in all of those three cities as well which i think is so great i want i can't wait to talk to her more but i i'm pursuing her and she's definitely interested but it might i don't know how long it'll take us to get it together but that's coming um on the podcast what else Oh, I spoke to some people from Worcester, Massachusetts, um, chapter of 350.org. And I teach in Worcester, so it was sort of nice to connect with them. And um, there is a Connecticut group as well. I didn't, I never saw them, but I did come home with a flyer about a meeting that they're having, is it today? Tomorrow, but yeah. we can't go, unfortunately. Well, I think they
1: were the group that had the, uh, the sort of speak out at the end. You know, no,
0: that was a different group. I know what you're talking about. 350, mm-hmm. no. Well I they're don't the group. So. Weren't they the group
1: that put the thing on?
0: Yes. <laughs> 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 right. They had a lot to do with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh so there were others in the sort of escaping me right now. Oh, and I just I ran into a lot of people that I know from where we live, which is about an hour from Hartford. So there was we were very well represented, our little corner. And um and I a couple of those people have said that yet, yes they would do a, a podcast with me as well and they have their own personal angles on this issue. Um I should say that I'm just gonna jump in with this other thing that's sort of unrelated but it's on my mind. I've been um tweeting on I have a Twitter account. It's Amy K Studio, A M Y K Studio um so in case you want to look for me. Um And you can see some of the threads of conversation that I've been having that I'm about to tell you about. So I've I've been tweeting about this podcast. And uh, somebody picked up on, listened to some of it, um, and used something I said that probably was unclear, but out of context it was definitely definitely unclear. um, Because I had mentioned talking to Jim you know, maybe the I at one point I said something like, Maybe our our winters are getting colder, meaning here in New England and Connecticut where we live. And I really did not mean, first of all, our meaning our the United States, our the world, or or even long term that they would stay this way. But right now our experience has been colder. And if you look at there's a map that I, I um that I've posted also on Twitter, um <clears throat> and I don't remember who released that map, but it's it was somebody that was trustworthy. It wasn't like an, an individual. It was an organization that compiles statistics like that. It um, shows all the areas of the... It shows the whole world uh, this past winter, and the, thing, the places where it was colder than the last something like 20 or 30 years um, were in blue, and the places where it was warmer were in pink or red, um depending on how much warmer or colder um and we were in one of the few small cold colder areas according to that map. So anyway, I've been having this conversation triggered out of that kind of interaction where where it was basically so so let's let's call it alarmists versus uh deniers. <laughs> and so if I'm on the alarmist side, which I guess I am, um, I've been going back and forth with this one guy who goes by the name of John Hancock as his Twitter handle. I don't know if that's really his name, but, um, you know, he does not believe that I I, I haven't actually got the whole story from him about what he believes, but he does, does he thinks that people like Al Gore and Bill McKibben, who's started 350.org, um, are, are making millions of dollars on this, um, fear that they're mongering (laughs) so um but it's been an interesting conversation because it's it's first of all you know the 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 prevailing um sentiment is at this point that it doesn't make sense to to waste energy on trying to convert people's ideas it just move forward with the 97% of scientists and the 2,000 peer-reviewed studies, blah, 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 Um, and just start addressing the issue rather than worrying about the people who say it's not happening. Um, But I've been finding it interesting just interacting and thinking about where are people coming from? We're all coming from different places and different life experience and different um, kind of set up in a way that certain ideas resonate with us better than others. And we can stay right in that place where yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, you look familiar and trustworthy, you expert out there who's telling me one thing that resonates with the way I see the world without really being critical. And that's one part of it. And then the other part of it is um that it's been interesting to get out of the place where this is about I'm going to try to convince you of one thing and um, you know, you're going to try to convince me of the opposite. Let's like look for common ground. So, so I think I asked him directly. Do you? What do you believe? Do you? Do you think that pollution is a problem, <laughs> and that it has something to do with what's going on, uh, or that you believe it's getting warmer? Or so I asked him several questions like that, and and he says that he thinks that it's important to take care of Mother Earth, and that. And that, um you know it, it, without saying these words exactly that it sounds like he thinks there should be some kind of energy transition, though he's talking about fusion, which I don't know anything about. do you know anything about that jim no
1: no i mean i I remember reading some learning some stuff about it in mm-hmm. the past, but i, I a while since i've looked at anything. Right,
0: but it's not the same as it's n- when when he says fusion, you were telling me that it's not the same as um nuclear power the way that we think of it. I think, that well, is, we think I of just, it as fission. Yeah, there's a distinction uh-huh. between fission and, and fusion. fusion. right. So that's some research if anybody has done, they want to try to let me know. I'd, I'd certainly appreciate it. You can leave me car- comments on Hello, cc.info, which is the website for this blog, or you can put even better put comments on. Um, and while you're at it, rate the show on iTunes because that's going to get people more access to it. They'll find it more easily if it's rated. Um, what else would you like to say about the experience of being at that rally?
1: Well, it was interesting for me because I, you know, I didn't really have a, a purpose. That was trying to fulfill mm-hmm. to go there it was more just yeah that sounds interesting let's go mm-hmm. and I liked some of the speeches I found myself like not really latching on to the groups that were there like none of them really resonated so much mm-hmm. um, I mean they all sort of have their little pieces there was you know like socialists and communists and People that were really into alternative energy and people that were going after corporations and and some of it felt kind of extreme.
0: Mm.
1: Um, there was a Connecticut legislator who who came out and talked a young a young guy, and I liked him.
0: Oh yeah, I didn't. Yeah, listen yeah as he well seemed as to I like could've. be
1: really grounded in in what is possible. Right. Um, which ultimately I think is where movement can happen. What? you know
0: in what's possible in the
1: po- yeah in what's possible and in the political process
0: can you talk about, about what you mean by or what's possible what did you see as what's possible well i think i think it com-
1: it's combined with what your experience has been on twitter with this with this gentleman
0: mm-hmm.
1: there's you know you can't nobody can have it all all nobody right. can have everything they want right so people who believe in climate change and believe that we're pumping too much carbon into the air. Mm-hmm. We're probably not going to be able to just cut it shut it off and switch on a dime to something else. There's mm-hmm. probably somewhere in the middle where we have to have some reliance on fossil fuels until there's enough of a robust alternative sector. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the truth is probably somewhere in the middle mm-hmm. and we're probably not going to be able to to Avoid some of the effects of climate change um, because we're not going to be able to do it perfectly. We're not right. going to be able to just shut it down. So that's that's kind of where I I, I think I put I've I've moved a little bit away from some of these groups that feel pretty extreme, mm-hmm. like we have to just stop using oil. We have to stop using carbon. We have to close Shell Oil, you know? It's like, well, Shell Oil is not going away. Mm-hmm. They're just not going away. Um, so how do we work with Shell Oil? You know, we can't just make them the bad guys and hope that they, you know, we if we treat them like crap, maybe they'll change their minds. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Like, I don't, you can't say you trust them, but at the same time, they're real and they're huge players. All those companies are. Mm-hmm. So how do you get them to buy into this, too? Right. Just like your, your exchange on Twitter, you know? So, so the, the rally, I think, was good for, for hearing the scope of, of opinions and groups that are out there and seeing them all and getting to meet people. I mean, I, I ran into somebody that I take the bus with. Right. So that was cool. You know, we were like, "Hey, don't you take the bus?" Yeah, right. yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that person gave you the the fracking. She gave me a yeah, no band fracking, fracking, band
1: fracking, or whatever it is button. Button,
0: yeah. Which so, cool.
1: so that was cool. You know, I didn't know that that was, but my guess is, there are probably a lot of people that take the bus that feel that same way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That that's part of why they're doing this.
0: Right. Because
1: hmm. you don't really save that much money. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've talked about you and the bus and how good that good that is yeah, for your life. Right, you know, they're right. just having that downtime and stuff yeah. too. So,
1: but you know what's yeah. what's funny? Like this week, the regular bus driver was not there, so there were new new drivers, and this one guy drove for like three days in a row, and he would not punch your ticket. He'd be like, "Yeah, go ahead and get on." He'd like let let you ride for free. <laughs> and after the second day, I was feeling like, "Hey, wait a minute, you know." paying in the system is what makes it work. Right. Like there has to be revenue into the system. Yeah. So the you know this guy was like trying to be nice, I guess. Yeah. And I don't know that was just a little sidebar. No,
0: that's I think it's good. I think that's a, actually that leads me to something as I was thinking about when I was younger you know in my early 20s I my friends and I were I and my friends were all kind of alienated um, youth, you know, we were people who, Ah, oh, now I'm just, I'm trying to censor myself a little because <laughs> I don't know who who might listen to this, but um, let's just say that we didn't feel like we'd been thought well of, um, thought that the people who were nurturing our existence as adults in the world, we did not feel like they had done a good job thinking well for us. And we did not feel equipped to take care of ourselves in the world in the way that we wanted to. Um, whether, you know, I'm not putting blame on anyone there, but let's just say that's how it felt. And so I remember there was a mentality, I didn't ever feel quite comfortable with this. And I'm not sure that even people who were seeming like they felt comfortable with it did. But there was sort of a mentality like, it doesn't hurt anybody to steal from a store, it doesn't, you know, a big, you know, the corporate, you know, we are owed this on some level. Um, And it was just like petty things. Um, And and it was, and I'm not saying that I didn't I didn't. I think I probably participated in a pretty marginal and lame way, like asking the friend who was willing to put stuff in her jacket to put the thing I wanted in her jacket for our dinner.
1: (laughs) If you're gonna steal, you might as well steal something for me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) So I'm not saying I have much integrity or had much integrity in those days. I did not. But um, but what you're talking about about the system, like I think like one of the healings that has to happen is. There's this divide where a lot of people don't trust the system. And then, you know, when a person goes in trying to change the system, you know, from the inside, they become, they lose the trust of the people who they could have been protesting the system with. And so we get into this sort of unwinnable situation and and I see it in meta in the medical in the med- I mean, and I'll just and I haven't mentioned this, but it seems relevant. I had cancer. I had breast cancer. Um, as did my next door neighbor. She was diagnosed a few months after me. Um, <clears throat> we live in a state that's number two in the country for that disease. The number one state is Massachusetts, which is our neighbor. Um. And. That's, you know, those, I'm sure that that plays into why I'm kind of latching into this issue so strongly, um, climate change is in and of itself an issue, but it is based in how we're thinking about our environment, like the, the result Climate change is a symptom of a bigger of the problem, and, and it's what I guess I'm saying. It's a major symptom. It's a life threatening system um, symptom, if you believe what a, a lot of the
1: alarmists. experts alarmists,
0: <laughs> <laughs> alarmists slash experts are saying. Ninety
1: seven percent of climate <laughs> scientists are alarmists.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, but 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 a lot of a lot of people are using this metaphor they're saying it's like going to the doctor and being told you have cancer and it's serious and you have to do you know these terrible things to preserve your chance of living and it's very very hard to hear that and i mean i remember being told that by this person i didn't know and it's like i feel fine i had never felt better and they're telling me you will die if you don't put all these chemicals into your body that are going to make you feel like you're dying. <laughs> so that was very, very hard to stomach. But so so the metaphor keeps going out there that it's like the, the, the denial side of the coin is like going to a 100 doctors because you want a second, third, fourth opinion and you get 97 agreements and three disagreements and those disagreements are way more palatable so you go with those and you're risking your life. And I know people... Um, who made that choice and died and, you know, around cancer. So I'm, you know, this is, and it doesn't mean, you know, anecdotal information is, is is limited in its value, but it happens. It happens that people say, oh, I'm not, and I can't tell you how many times, and I did a video diary about my cancer journey with Saint, that's on YouTube. You can find it, Amy K. Studio, if you want to look me up. Um, but anyway, I don't, can't tell you how many times I've gotten comments from people saying it's a, it's a scam. They're just doing it for the money. The doctors, meaning this whole, Mm -hmm. don't take those poisons. That's what's killing people. And I did tons of research because I really did not want to do chemo or radiation. Those, those things sounded awful. Um, but unfortunately, I, you know, the the deeper I dug, the more I came to the, this is just, you know, partly because that's where the money is, that there's money in research into these drugs because the drugs make money that, but they're the only things that have been well, well researched. And, you know, there was, there were websites that talked about, I, I told you at the time, I, I, you know, I'd follow these threads of saying turmeric and, you know, cottage cheese and like whatever it is, these ways of, you know, going around that whole system that nobody can make a lot of money out because they're, they're just food. Um, but I'd follow the, the links off of those websites and, and find myself on, on a site that, that said that <laughs> to take a shower, <laughs> Jim's laughing, smiling. Cause he remembers this. Um, I read about taking, take a shower, make it, aim the water on where your tumor site is, make it as hot as you can stand it. And I don't remember, it's been a long time, but I think it said for seven minutes. And then turn it to cold and then do that for seven minutes. And do it repeatedly. Back from the hottest possible to the cold. And the tumor shrink will shrink like, you know, within that time frame, like a half an hour later. You'll be cured. So, um, yeah. I know this seems like a tangent, but I'm I guess I'm there's some kind of metaphorical association I'm making. Mhm. You want to draw the line <laughs> the connection there for me.
1: Well, just that people will go to extremes to avoid a, Difficult a very information. In, in in the in the words of Al Gore, they'll yes. go to large extents to uh avoid an inconvenient
0: truth. Right. <laughs> That's what he said. Yes, he did. And he make, he's making millions upon millions. Ah, I see. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what we're told to. So, um, uh, another update I'll just tell you. Um, uh, I spoke to my friend Angie Seth, who is a climate scientist, Who uh, she teaches at the University of Connecticut. She's currently, gosh, I wish I could remember what it's called, but there's a big climate. Science Center in Boulder, Colorado, and she's there doing research this summer right now, but we spoke on the phone the other day. She's really enthusiastic about this podcast and looking forward to being a guest. We've got a date set for recording in a couple of weeks, so I really look forward to talking to her, and she's also offered to be my go-to person with any kind of questions around the science. So a true expert. Well, you know, one with a doctorate anyway, yeah. so... Um, <clears throat> Anything else? I this may be a, sh- a one on the short side. Oh, I had meant to offer some resources. You know that I think I'm going to do that for the next episode. I think what I want to do is I, I, a list of all of the really good resources I found online that have get, you know furthered my education in this in this um area. I will mention that I watched a series on Netflix called I think it. it it was a Showtime, Showtime produced it. It was called the, uh, it's called Years of Living Dangerously. And, um, it's really well produced and there's nine episodes and they deal with different aspects of this issue. Um, if you are a denialist rather than an alarmist, they're not going to line up with your views, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, you know, if you're, Kind of if you're more inclined to to believe um, that there's a big problem going on here, this will give you perspective about a lot of different places in the world and entertain you at the same time. There's very, very eminent um, journalists and also a bunch of celebrities that go around to various places in the world and talk to people and look at the science and it's very interesting anything oh. I was, was there any resources that you had in mind to share? We'll just, okay, he's, shaking your head doesn't translate to radio. (laughs) (laughs) I heard you say no. No. Okay, Um, so that'll be my next, that'll be on deck. And then the one after that will be talking with the climate scientist about what it's like for her. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I think that's mo- the most interesting thing to me. I mean, we'll get her to sort of out- lay out the science, but I want to hear what it's like for her, you know, just functioning in the world kind of mm-hmm. with all this knowledge um um in her head. Um okay, well that that's that's it for today. I'll hope the sounds better. If it's not, I'll be working on it. It will continue to improve.